Well, welcome to another episode of the Devil Wears Rossonero, the official podcast of SB Nation's AC Milan Offside. I'm Patrick Stoll. He's Tim Fontenot, at Stoll underscore P, at Tim underscore Fontenot, and at SBN Rossonero is where you can get a hold of us, as always. We're back. We've been a little inconsistent, but we're back, and we have some big things to talk about. Mainly, two big things, or I guess three, depending on what you define as a big thing. Higuain out, Piatek in, and what the hell is going on with Reno Gattuso as manager of AC Milan. The whole Gattuso out thing was really, really hot a couple of weeks ago. Now it's cooled down a little bit, but the question still remains, is Reno Gattuso the right man to lead AC Milan. Again, at Stoll underscore P, at Tim underscore Fontenot, and at SBN Rossonero. We'd love to hear from you as always. Any questions, comments, we will take them. We'd be happy to respond to them in this episode. Tim, my man, it's been a little while. I want to bring you right in. What do you think of the latest dominoes falling in the great striker swap? of Europe 2019 because there were a lot of moving parts going on here. It almost seemed like it wasn't going to get done, but Higuain, I guess, ends his loan at Milan and Juve sends him to Chelsea, which is way too many moving parts and a, a real mouthful, to be honest. And Christoph Piatek, Piantek, whichever way you pronounce it, I do apologize. Still getting used to saying that name. Piontek joins Milan from Genoa. So Higuain out, Piontek in, kind of one for one. Don't exactly know 100% of the financials, but what do you think about uh, the latest move for AC Milan? Well, Patrick, first of all, good to be back. Been a little while. I know we've been trying to get this done, but man, we live some busy lives. And I'll tell you what, this whole Higuain, Piontek, Piontek, I can't help myself. It's... uh. You say one for one, but man, this was like some crazy NBA five-team trade sort of thing going on here. Because like you said, there were so many moving parts because not only is it Iguain going to Chelsea and Piatek going to Milan, keep in mind that he comes from Genoa. Iguain was on loan at Milan from Juventus. So Chelsea had to deal with Juventus and Milan. And Milan were dealing with Juventus and Chelsea and Genoa. And then Chelsea were also dealing with Atletico Madrid because by all accounts, Alvaro Morata is on his way to Madrid on a long loan with Higuain coming into Chelsea. Morata now on his way to play with the man, the myth, the legend, Nikola Kalinic. I was afraid you were going to say his name. <laughs> I was so afraid. I knew that his name was going to come you, up somehow. You know we can't and go I, an episode without it. <laughs> it it's the it's rules. It's so sad, too, because at, at one point someone mentioned, well, you know, Morata is going to take the place of uh, former AC Milan starter Nikola Kalinic. So I was like, "Don't ever speak to me again." Yeah, no, that's not that's no enough. Guy. Like, I can't. <laughs> you, he's not. He's not form. He's their problem. They paid for him. They actually gave us real, not monopoly, not virtual cryptocurrency. They gave us real money. And for a club that needs to break even by 2021, we won big time in that scenario. I don't care that Atletico Madrid are going for the La Liga title this year or whatever. But, you know, this was this was a long time coming. I mean, I don't 
I don't think anyone expected Iguain to be a long-term striker at Milan, especially, you know, he comes in on loan. Hey, if it worked out, then we pay the extra money for him at the end of the, at the summer. If it doesn't, well, we paid to have this great Serie A striker from the last few years, and it just it didn't work out. So, you know, we there were problems with Iguain from the start. It wasn't necessarily him. I think we've talked about it a lot. There was a lot of complications getting him the ball. You know, at the beginning, we didn't have really anyone that was capable of getting in the ball. We were struggling to get the ball out of the back to begin with. The midfield was a mess. And, you know, we fell into a Suso ball trap that we do all the time since we can't bring anyone in that's capable of taking the pressure off Suso, apparently. So I'm happy to see him go to Chelsea. I think it's best for him. I think it's best for Milan. And, you know, if he can end up not being like every other striker that's ever gone to Chelsea, power to him. And, you know, if not, well, he went to Chelsea like every other striker that went to Chelsea. He fell off. And, you know, that's just what we expect these days. So, um, look, Piatek, I've loved watching the guy play this year. I mean, he came out of nowhere. First year in the league, comes from some smaller European league, you know, no one knows who this guy is, and all of a sudden he's scoring left and right for Genoa, and all our eyes are on him. You know, this guy who goes sliding in after he scores the pistol celebration, which is one of the coolest things, and he's lighting up the league, and he's right up there with Cristiano Ronaldo in the race for the Capa Caminier, and now he's now he's at Milan, and look, he was scoring like that for Genoa, and you know, on a team like Genoa, they need a big dude like that to be the guy, but. Can he keep it up at Milan? I think he can. I don't think it's going to be easy. I think he's going to run into the same issues that Iguain did in terms of being able to get the ball. But he's a guy who moves around a lot. I saw he's like the he moves around more than any other striker in the league. Um, covers more distance in a match, and you know I think we saw, especially in this this last match against Genoa, which he didn't play in. What he probably wouldn't have played anyway, but he was suspended via yellow cards. Um, if Milan can get out on the counter, they can they can move the ball around and they can they can find that big dude in the box. So I don't see why he can't keep scoring goals and in this race for the top four, which they're very much in right now and in in control of it as as we speak. I think that he could be a difference maker. My my only concern was really Patrick Cutrone, and you know. He's our baby, and we worry about him because he's ours. Um, and he's, you know, he's the golden child right now, but he's also only 21 years old. You can't put all your faith into into that guy. It's not fair to him, and it's unreasonable to expect. He he was always going to need another person there. He That's why we thought Higuain would have been great, because he could have been the mentoring figure to Cutrone. But now, if they're going to be playing in some sort of 4-4-2, whatever Gattuso wants to do, having him and Piatek, that's fine by me. I I can see that being great with Suso on the right. You know, keep Chalanoglu on the left if he's happy. Probably isn't happy, but otherwise Castileo can go out there. You've got Paqueta coming through the middle now. I don't see why that can't be a great strike duo. So there are a couple, there, there are a bunch of layers to this, right? So for Higuain, was definitely excited when he came in because 
at the worst case, you get some money down the drain, which is going to happen anyway, um, which happened. Like, that's unavoidable. Um, and worst case scenario, primarily, is you get a really, really good mentor for Patrick Cutrone, which Patrick Cutrone admitted himself. Um, he said that he was learning a lot from Higuain. He said that he took him under his wing, which is really great. I'm glad to see that. And obviously, Higuain was fine with being at Milan while he was there um, for most of it. Um, Not to mention, they also sent Bonucci back to Juventus. So in what you paid for him, but you also got a lot of money back from Juventus to for them to bring Benucci yeah back. I mean you got Caldara who I mean we know we God, I forgot about Caldara yeah, that's because he's been injured the whole time <laughs> yeah. that that's the best part is that so I mean it was basically Caldara and Higuain for Benucci um don't ask me how that math works out I I, I mean if you want to talk NBA kind of <laughs> Um, and I mean, again, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, but that goes back to the, we have, or Juve, we have Ronaldo now, we want to win now, we're not waiting for Caldara, we know what Benucci is, so that goes back to what we talked about when that whole thing went down, is we get Caldara, we get Higuain, Higuain was never going to be more than, what, one let's say two or three years, uh, three years would have been the decline year, uh, frankly. Um, but if you look at what has happened for Higuain, he has fell off a little bit every season. And then the last two months happened and it was just like he fell off a cliff. Now, some say, oh, well, Higuain fell off a cliff. Uh, but people like me and probably you would say, well, Milan's form and team fell off a cliff. I mean, Milan wasn't scoring for four straight games. Everyone and their mother was injured, you know, couldn't get, you know. While Bakayoko has been getting better and better, everyone else has been getting worse and you know that's what did you think we'd be saying that right if you had said if you had told me hey by the way Bakayoko is going to be for all intents and purposes your best player uh we're not gonna know if um Gattuso is gonna keep his job and oh by the way this Polish kid is gonna be your striker Higuain's gone I would have been like nah I, I want whatever he's having because that's not I mean, that's just not how I saw this season going. I thought also that, out of the Europa League. Oh God, don't remind me. That's that's the one. That's the bad. That's the bad mark here. Is that where? I mean, that's done. But I mean, the we can get to it in a minute. But Gattuso and the gang have one thing to focus on, and it is top four. And that's what Inter did last year, and it worked out. So we'll see. But for Higuain, I think his form dipped and the team's form dipped, which prevented him from being able to rescue his form because it's really hard to score when you don't get the ball. 
Um, it's really hard to score when the team doesn't have the ball. And it's really hard to score when literally no one else on the team is scoring either. Um, I think that he was a frankly low risk, high upside um, because you knew what you were getting, but you also knew what you were getting. You knew that you were getting Higuain, but you knew you were getting an aging Higuain. So I think he showed his age. And I think it's the right move for Milan to move on from him. And I think Piontek, if Piontek wasn't coming in, I would be far more concerned. Because I'd be like, oh, what the hell? Like, Milan just got robbed. <laughs> you know, we just lost our striker. Like, the hell? You're leaving us high and dry. But clearly it was, okay, as soon as he's out, Piontek is in. Um I don't know how the financials are going to w- work with Higuain. Like, did we just pay $18 million for six months of Higuain? I hope not. I hope we're getting something back. I'm sure if it was, since it was a year-long loan, I don't think there's any way Juventus could get away with not compensating them a little bit. Maybe part of the fee that Chelsea pay goes to Milan to pay it off. I don't, whatever happens... I think it's a good move for Higuain, especially. I think it's a good move for Milan. Obviously, Juve doesn't care. They didn't want Higuain anyway. And I think it's a good move for Chelsea. I think Higuain, I know he's never played in the Premier League. Well, he was pretty good for Real Madrid. And he was literally one of, he had one of the best seasons we've ever seen from a player in Serie A. Under Sarri, scoring... Let me make sure my count is correct. Yeah, 36 and 35. The Gunnar Nordahl record stood for decades. Like, decades. I mean, that one of the... I, oh, that That's very hard to top as best season. That At least that I think that we've ever seen. That was just unbelievable. Like, literally. I mean, I remember... Um, I think it was David Amoyal... Uh, who writes for The Athletic and also has a podcast, Calcio Land Podcast. He's great. Um, He said that the most dominant and entertaining season he has ever seen from a player is Higuain. And I think he said there is a chance of, um, you know... He was like, you know, Dybala could get to that point. He was talking about another player, but he said the most dominant I've seen a player in a league is, I mean, besides Messi, in Syria is Higuain. And I want to make sure I'm not misquoting him, but it was Higuain under Sarri when he just scored at will. And that's where that awesome video of the Napoli Stadium announcer just shouting Higuain like, 20 times came from because I don't know how many times I don't know which goal that was but obviously it was you know pretty good um so I think it's a good move for everybody moving to Piantec he I'm really really excited because there's a reason that Milan were not the only ones interested in him there's a reason that teams like PSG, Real Madrid, Man City, Barcelona were interested in him earlier in the season. And that is because he scored 19 goals in 21 appearances. 
he just started playing for the Polish national team. And he's 23. I see the upside for Piantek for Milan being higher than the upside for Higuain for Milan. I see the, the growth potential is through the roof. Whereas there was a lid on what you were going to get from Higuain. And I think that was going to be about 18 goals. Um, maybe 20. Like if he had a really good season, I could see him getting to 20 and a top four finish. Uh, that was the best you were going to get from Higuain. From Piontek, you could have a starter for 10 years. Um, you could have a starter for seven. You could have a starter for three until you sell him for some insane amount of money. And then you'll have no problem balancing those books by 2021. Exactly. Um, and oh, by the way, his contract is until 2023. This is outright. This isn't like a loan thing. This is just outright. Yeah. I believe I saw it was like 35. Yeah. Yep. That's the number I saw. So 23 and already lighting up the league bodes well because he doesn't have to adapt to the Premier League. He doesn't have to adapt to La Liga or Serie A. He already has. So that I see as seamless. What I don't see as seamless is there wasn't a lot of pressure on him at Genoa, yet that that pressure is there now. He's not used to playing with Milan yet. He will be. So next season... But right now, I mean, if you're expecting Piontek to score 15 goals, I mean, he scored 19 and 21. If you're expecting him to duplicate that, I'm, I, it's just not realistic. Which would, by the way, be 38 goals, which is ludicrous. Um, even thinking about that this kid is on pace for that. He obviously has tons of talent. You can see the way he moves, his technical ability, his vision and his poaching, his touch is incredible. He, I'm a fan of his, I'm, oh my God, it's, it's the softest touch. And, and again, and he's 23. So we're not spending 30 million on a 28 year old, right? You can get a lot of time out of him. What I'm a, f- so one Someone pointed out to me that he has not scored against the top four this season. Which I have the list in front of me. And that is actually true. Believe it or not, he has not scored against a top four side this season. He scored against Lazio, but at the time they were ninth. And he scored against... Okay, so he scored one against Napoli... Two on Sassuolo, Bologna, Lazio, Chievo, two on Frosinone, Parma, Samp, Spal, Roma, Atalanta. So saying he didn't score against the top four, yeah, okay. But he did score against Lazio and Roma. Like, he's not, like, just because you didn't score against Juve doesn't mean, you know, you're not good. Um, what I am concerned about, adapting into the team, um, expectations and pressure, um, which I think he'll be okay because, frankly, he doesn't need to start tomorrow because they have Kutrone. 
if Cutrone wasn't there and like there was no other striker and it was like, okay, well, Piontek's the guy now. Here we go. It'd be like, oh, so we're like, we're putting all our eggs in the January basket. Like, oh, this is it. What I will say, and again, it sounds negative. I don't want this to hose Cutrone uh, because he's our guy. And I don't think this is a death sentence for Cutrone. I think they will rotate, um, which, oh, by the way, rotation at the striker position? What? We haven't had that in, (laughs) like, years. Because, oddly enough, we haven't had two capable strikers in the past five years. Um, I mean, yeah, God. And we thought that was this year, and then Higuain fell off a cliff. So, it's... You know, I'm not too worried about Cutrone. I'm not too worried about the expectations. I'm not too worried about pressure. Um, I am worried. Yeah, I'll go ahead and say it. I'm worried about Andre Silva, too. Um, I'm worried that we shelled out money for a youngster, and I'm afraid that we will not use the youngster correctly and that we will be hosed, and then we will loan him to Valencia. He will score 35 goals, and then he will go to Real Madrid um, because it will be a loan with an obligation to buy, and we will be hosed, Uh, which is pretty much what's going on with Andre Silva now. Just instead of 35, make it a real number, and um, instead of Valencia, make it Sevilla. That's what's going on with Andre Silva, who's lighting up La Liga, I'm afraid of Andre Silva 2.0, which is clear talent, brought him in for a reason, worth the money on paper, shows a couple flashes on the field where you're like, yo, this guy, you know, this this kid obviously has it, but never scores. Um, the I mean, you can call it Andre Silva, you can call it Gabby Goal. You can call it whatever you want. Um, that's the risk. And so in that regard, he is a higher risk than Higuain. I think he's a risk worth taking because of the upside, but he is not a low-risk, high-reward guy like Higuain was. He is very much a, okay, frankly, the season is riding on how this works out. You are betting that he is going to do better than Higuain did, you are betting that he will contribute more and you are betting that he is going to replicate at least somewhat his season so far with a brand new team and a brand new coach and all that. I'm confident in the kid. I'm excited in the kid. But there are concerns that we need to acknowledge. And that's what happens with every transfer. I know Chelsea has got to be at least partially concerned that they got a short-term solution as a replacement for whom was supposed to be a long-term guy. Morata was supposed to be the guy for... He was supposed to be our guy for a while. Yeah, I mean, that too. (laughs) But he was supposed to be Chelsea's striker, like, full stop. And yeah, that just hasn't worked. You know, you can put that on whatever you want. But there's a chance of Higuain doing that too. And oh, by the way, he's 31. 
So for them, that risk isn't too, I mean, it, it is big because if Higuain doesn't work out, like, what do you do now? Keep Eden Hazard at the 10 until he goes to Real Madrid against your will. Yeah, until he goes to Real Madrid, and then you use the money for Mauro Cardi. I've said that the striker that they keep looking for is Mauro Icardi. It's They just haven't been able to pry him out of the cold, dead claws of Inter yet. Um, but I, that's my take on Piontek. Really talented. Really excited. Just if I can really quickly respond to some Piatek stuff. Um, I do want to give him a little bit of fairness on that uh, that dip in uh, who he scored against, how long he went without scoring a goal. Because, you know, Genoa have been weird this season. They started really well by Genoa standards. They were up to eighth very early in the season, and that was when he was scoring left and right. He scored in the first seven games, and he had 11 goals. I mean, that was absurd or whatever he had. Um, then they lost to Parma, that 3-1 match. He scored that goal. And then they fired Ballardini, which I think was ruthlessly unfair. I think that was the weirdest firing so far in Serie A this season. But then they had to run a gauntlet and went through two more managerial changes. They went, and this was the order of teams they played. They went Juventus, Udinese. Udinese is not great, but then Milan, Inter, Napoli, Sampdoria, and Torino all in a row. That's not easy. Then Spall, and then Roma and Atalanta. And then he scored against Roma and Atalanta. Um, and he scored against Sampdoria. So they they kind of had a rough go of it. I, don't, I think you can say that Genoa being a bit of a mess and obviously not having the talent around him. I mean, he, he made the most of it in many matches this year, but though against, especially those big teams, that's, that's a top, that's a tall, tall order. And they got rocked in one or two of those games. Um, I was looking at a comment that we got, um, as we started recording, this is from a SBN Russell Nero reader. This is on Twitter. He is AC Ebon. And he says, my brother and I watch Piatek highlights. Consider him a Shevchenko, but with the heading of Bierhoff, Oliver Bierhoff. And he says, thoughts? If that's what we're getting, we will have golden statues at every entrance of the Stadio Piatek in about 20 years. The Stadio (laughs) Piatek, I dig it. I dig it. Yeah, I mean, if that's the case, then just give us the 2021 Champions League trophy now. Because yeah, holy, like that that holy, would be amazing. I mean, that that I've heard the, the the best part is I've heard the Shevchenko comparison before. We were talking um, in the uh, in the group chat for the AC Milan offside, which by the way at times just becomes absolute flames in there after a loss. Oh my oh, goodness! You should if if only it's, it's the oh, this is fine the, the uh, listeners could see the shambles that that becomes after, let's just say, um, yeah, AC Milan's December. Um, that whole chat was just, 
Yeah. I think we should do a post after every match. Top five responses in the Slack channel. Oh, that... See, see, now we're cooking with gas. It's it's <laughs> like the... Uh, you know the gif um, where the guy starts walking into the office and, like, gunshots just start going all over and, like, something <laughs> catches on fire and, like, someone, like, jumps out of wit. Like, that's the Slack channel as soon as the game ends it's like oh god here we go like raise your defenses boys because this is going to be a long day um but we were talking and someone's like you know i've heard shevchenko you know um and then you know you pair that with the comparisons of kutrone to inzaghi like people start getting really excited and the only thing i'll say about that is yeah i get it like Okay, yeah. But this is where this is where I start getting worried about the expectations thing. And I totally understand. Like you look at highlights and you're like, wow, he has similar movement, he has similar finishing, etc. That's great. But to bring everything full circle, who's he gonna be on the pitch? Is he gonna be Milan Shevchenko or is he gonna be Chelsea Shevchenko? Yikes. See, this is the real question. These we're asking real questions now. It's like Falcao. Is he going to be Man United Falcao or or Chelsea Falcao? <laughs> or is he going to be like OG Monaco Falcao? Um so it's it's a good it's a good point and again, the kid obviously has talent. So I'm excited. I'm glad they got the deal done. I was afraid they weren't going to because yeah, I was ready point, for it to crash and burn. Well, I was afraid of so in the great as as I refer to it, the great European striker swap. I was afraid of so Morata to Atleti, um, Kajanic to Monaco, um. Batshuayi got his loan canceled by Valencia, and he was going to go to Monaco, but then Chelsea put him on, put that on hold, or they like put the kibosh on it. I was afraid that we were going to end up with Batshuayi, and that Piantek was going to go somewhere else, right? So I thought that it was going to like you know turn the dial a little bit. So Higuain to Chelsea. Chelsea sends Morata to Atleti. Atleti sends Kajanic to Monaco. And we get Batshuayi at the end of it instead of Piontek. That's what I didn't... Because I am far, far less confident in Michi Batshuayi than I am in Christoph Piontek. Because Piontek... Like, I mean, we can't... We can't... We can't take all of the Chelsea loanies. Like, we can't take Chelsea rejects. Uh, we, I mean, we can take some of their loan guys because, like, some of them are pretty good. But I don't... <laughs> I was afraid we were going to end up with Michi Batshuayi. It's like, all right, this is great. It's like, no, no, it is. We're not going to make it, guys. <laughs> we're not going to make it to the finish line here. So, <laughs> speaking of making it to the finish line, here's a list of our results... Since December. 2-1 win against Parma. 
Nil-nil draw Torino. 3-1 loss to Olympiacos in the Europa League, a game we only needed to not lose by two. Um, I did the math, and we would have made it through if we had lost by one, um, which just hurts even... Yeah, exactly, right? Like, just when you thought it couldn't get worse. Um, Bologna, nil-nil. Fiorentina, 1-0 loss. Frozenone, 0-0. And then a 2-1 win over Spal. A Coppa Italia round of 16, 2-0 win against Sampdoria. A Super Coppa, 1-0. Stupid loss to Juventus, which just is... I just... I can't... I, I can't even deal with this. Um, and then a win against Genoa. So my count is four wins, three draws, all of which were nil-nil, by the way, and three losses. Now, if you were to cut that to December, you can take two of those wins out. And uh, it's, it's a different story. Um, and it prompted the question... Is Reno Gattuso the best man for the job? Because at one point, Milan went how many goal, how many games without scoring a goal? Um, let's say one, two, three, four league games, and an Olympiacos loss. So they scored two, three. Or five goals in December in seven games. I'm not very good at math, but I know that's not good. Um, Insight, so, yeah, that I mean, that's that's the kind of analysis that people listen to um, the AC Milan offsides, Devil Wears Rossonero. Uh, that's that's what they're looking for. No, but I mean. If you look at Twitter during a game, it's become clear that some fans, including some of our own in the slot in at the AC Milan offside, have become very, very, very frustrated with Reno Gattuso. Whether it's his substitutions, whether it's his tactics, his formation, the lineup. Um, although I'm not one to complain about the lineup because I saw what happened under Vincenzo Montella where we where we never started the same team twice in 22 matches. Yeah, I, I'm okay. I also think it's very unfair to judge the lineups in December based on all the injuries. I just quickly want to share the 11 from the loss to Fiorentina. Which, if you remember that game, it only it was one nil on a good but weird goal from one of my hopeful future Milan players, Federico Chiesa. I love that guy, and I think he's a great future of the Italian national team. Anyway, this was the lineup that was put out, mainly by obligation, I would guess. So you had Donnarumma in the back. You had Romagnoli and Zapata as the center backs. Obviously, Caldara's injured, so uh, Rodriguez and Abate on 
at the fullback positions, sure. Then you went with a three-man midfield of Chalanogu, Calabria, which, okay, and Jose Maori, who, the the long-forgotten child. And then you had Castileo, Iguain, and Suso as your front three. You then were able to bring in Andrea Conti, oh, bless, and Cutrone came in for Maori late on, so they did a formation change. Um... There were, there were injuries in the midfield. Very, very crucial injuries. I think we forget about Belia's importance at times. We forget about what Bonaventura can do. And obviously we've talked about how much we need more center midfielders. But those are the guys we have. And all of them were just gone. So you lose that connection between the back and the front. And I think that gets lost on people a lot is, that makes it very hard to move the ball forward and get it to your goal scorers. And that, I th- that was a huge problem in December, I think. Well, also, I mean, and you're absolutely right. Look at the people on the bench for that Fiorentina game. So not only did you have Calabria starting in midfield alongside Maori. You had Conti on the bench. Okay, good. You had Montalivo actually on the bench in a real-life game. You had Musacchio, who, like, doesn't play anymore. Pepe Reina, who you hope doesn't play because that means there's an injury to Donnarumma. Um, Antonio Donnarumma. Um, Diego Lachschelt, who I continue to be a big fan of. Cutrone. Alan Hilailovic, who... I, I legitimately have no comment on just because I, I just don't. I <laughs> literally have no comment on. Um, and then two guys from a youth team, Marco Brescianini and Frank Chazu. I hope I'm saying that right. I know I'm not. Sa- Saju? I think you are nice. Saju? Yeah, something like Zazu. that. Who yeah. is showing promise at the Primavera level and can maybe be a Cutrone in the future but you don't want him there right now. You don't want to have to call up your youth guys. You want to be able to call them up like, okay, it's time, right? Remember what um, Mihailovic did. We had Diego Lopez as our starting um, goalkeeper, and he called up this kid from the Primavera named Gigio Donnarumma. And that's how that started. And he did that because he felt it was time and, like, the kid was good. That's what you want to do. You don't want to need, like, I literally need functioning players who can actually run. Like, notice that in that team, this is an actual Serie A game, right? There's no Bakayoko, Bonaventura, Kessie. Um, There's no... There's Chalanoglu, there's Castillejo, there's not even Barini. Like, even if he wanted to, he couldn't have subbed in Barini. Which is really, I mean, that, I mean, if I ever see it, I mean, I, I just cannot, I, I just can't keep seeing Fabio Barini, like, in a serious context. You can't keep doing this to me. Um, he did. He, I mean... Anyway, so if Gattuso is right or not, um, because, again, it only takes a loss, and then you start getting the get Donadoni in here, 
get Wenger in here, get, you know, pictures of Antonio Conte start popping up on my timeline, get, you know, the next guy, get, you know, find the next Italian coach, um, do X, do Y, do Z, do all this, you know, Wenger, again, you know, don't, don't do that. Um, Conte, you know, all these different things. But it comes back to what I've been saying, and I know that Wenger and Conte are available, and there is a reason I am not mentioning Jose Mourinho in that sentence, because when Jose Mourinho actually got fired by Manchester United, I, I knew someone was going to do it. But as soon as someone actually said in our Slack, Jose Mourinho would be an upgrade. See, when you just start telling me lies, that's when I get mad. You can have your opinions, but when you're just saying something disingenuously, that's when, that's when I lose it. So, no, don't bring in Mourinho. Don't bring in content. What are they going to do in the middle of the season? If you fire the coach, you've declared it a lost season. Which, you know, again, you can be wrong. Evidence, Manchester United have won seven straight at time of recording um, under Ole Gunnar Sochar, and they're not missing Mourinho at all. But when you fire a coach, that means that your season is lost under him, and you need someone to steady the ship. You're not trying to win the league with your new coach until the next season. I believe this is a, t a squad that is good enough for fourth. Not much more, but fourth. That's what they need to do. And I think given all the injuries that Catuso had to deal with, I think it's only fair for him to see out the season. I don't think... He is tactically inept. I don't think he's substitutions. Like, I don't think his substitutions are the best. Like, they could use work. He could improve his substitution patterns. But what I've seen from this team is the will... Well, okay, most of the time. The will to fight, the drive to keep going... All things that we saw in Gattuso as a player, we see most of the time from this team. Exceptions, obviously. Get robbed by the referee like in the Supercopa? Sometimes. But I just don't think you can make the case that if you fire Gattuso, you bring in an interim guy. Of course, again, Ole Gunnar Sochar is debunking this whole thing right now which i think is a special case because it is you we all saw how toxic jose Mourinho was to manchester united and to to everyone around and how much talent is on the team there was you couldn't find a single person who could walk into old trafford on match day and be like you know what i'm happy to be here like when you have paul pogba who for all intents and purposes one of the the most expensive players of all time, absolutely one of the best players on the planet right now. When he's 
just lost in the middle of the park or sitting on the bench with his hood up and just when you look at him and you don't even see the man who won the World Cup a few months ago, you know you have a serious, serious problem that goes beyond form or injuries or anything like that. There was a serious problem that needed to be rooted out, and it was rooted out. And I I don't see that at Milan. I, you know, just to, to quickly bounce off what you said about, like, the, the team usually playing the way we knew Gattuso as a player. That's something we talked about when he was brought in. When Montella was fired and they brought in Gattuso, we said that this is something that was going to happen. Was He was going to instill his energy into the team. And I think we've seen that more often than we haven't. And so I think, I think that he is doing what he can like he's doing his best it's a very tough ask what he's had to do first of all he had to come in last season and just sweep up the mess of Montella we had the lost season last year we had the we're just getting through this season and we also with Gattuso more than just got through that season we had reason to believe by the end of it I mean sure things didn't end the way we wanted them to but then, you know, there was a lot going on in the summer with the the ownership group and the Iguain Benucci stuff. Um, but you came into this season with a realistic expectation. Hey, you need to finish top four. Like, fourth place was the Scudetto this year. And we talked about how rough December was, but we also talked about the injuries. We, we talked about... All the, all the factors that have gone into why this season has felt lackluster. But they are in fourth. And I, that is such a crucial element. They are in fourth place. And they're capable of holding on to it. And if they hold on to it, it's very hard to make the case to let him go. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. I don't see the manager market is fairly thin right now. Like I don't, I don't want to just bring in Wenger or Conte because, yes, they've done well where they've been, but we've also seen what happens when it doesn't go well for them, and we've seen how quickly a locker room can turn on Conte, and we've seen how quickly, especially now that you have Gazidis at Milan, Wenger, just no. Um, I was actually I was going to talk about Gazidis, but I'll talk about that in a sec. I, I look at. We talk about identifying, like, the idea of identifying a new great Italian manager. I think, you know, you stick with Gattuso for the rest of this year, and if they finish fourth, you stick with him in the next year. And I keep my eye on one manager in particular in Italy, who I think in a few years, maybe you start looking at, and that's Roberto De Zerbi, the Sassuolo manager. I'm really a fan of him, and I, I really like... I mean, they're they're in a tough spot, but it's also Sassuolo. Um, you know, they're they're doing what they can, and you know, he he's a former Milan youth player. Didn't get a chance to prove himself with the club. Maybe after a few more years, he builds up enough of a resume that um, you know he's someone you look at. But that's a, that's a couple of years off. He's 39. He's in his second Serie A job. Uh, obviously, he was with Benevento last year, so he has a really good track record against Milan. Uh, <laughs> So, um, but I, I look and I see, 
I only see Deserbi as a name that jumps out is I'd love to have that guy at my club right now. Um, and not even right now. So I just, you've got to give, you've got to give Gattuso time. You have to give him time to work with Leonardo and Maldini and Gazidis and something I wanted. I just, this popped in my head before we started recording. Um, some big news at Arsenal, Gazidis, his former club, um, came out this week. Sven Mislintat is leaving the club over disagreements with the guys in the back, with Unai Emery, and he was brought in by Gazidis. I wonder. I, I wonder if that's a pairing that we could possibly see again. Because something that Mislintat was really good at when he was at Dortmund is identifying talent on a budget. Identifying the undervalued players in Europe. Example, another thing I bring up almost every pod, that guy that used to play for Milan, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that's not something that's any speculation right now in the, in the press or anything like that, but that's just something in my head. Like, if I'm Gazidis and I see he's going to leave the club, and it's not because of his performance, absolutely not. It's just different philosophies. I would maybe pick up the phone because, I mean, you're you're a club that's going to be working on a budget for a couple of years, especially as you try to break even. And I would I would put the trust in this manager. I would put the trust in the staff that you've put in the back room. And then I would see, you know what, we have this guy that can do these great things out in the field for us. I think that it, if you can bring that all together, then Gattuso and Leonardo and Gazidis and Maldini and whoever else can be a successful team together. Because I think it goes beyond the manager. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that, like you said, over the summer, there was a lot happening because we saw the end of Yang Hong Lee. We saw the new group come in. People were still getting in place. Pella Maldini came back. Gazidis didn't start until December, right? So, like, things are still getting organized. And, oh, by the way, financial fair play is breathing down their necks. They had, you know, you brought in Benucci, but then Benucci's out, and Higuain is in, and Caldara's in, and everyone thinks really highly of Caldara, but he's injured. And then Bonaventura gets injured, and then everyone else gets injured. And, you know, it's hard to put out, like, a lineup. Literally, he put Davide Calabria in midfield, like, out of necessity. So, And Jose Mauri is Yeah, it, out of necessity. Like, he's the anchor of the midfield. So, like, and they're going to be operating on a budget for a little while because that's what Elliott management has basically said. I mean, they, they want to make the club profitable, and there are a couple steps. I think that no one's saying that Katuso has to be our manager for 10 years. No one's saying he's going to be here for five. But he deserves a fair shake. And if you get rid of him, you're getting rid of him for conditions that aren't his own. The conditions that Mantella was fired for was an absolute mess, failure to integrate players. Like, he just couldn't. It got beyond the point of there are 11 new players, you know, like put them together. It got beyond that where it was like, okay, you literally have no idea who should be on the field. Um, 
Gattuso does. Uh, I could do without Barini, but we'll manage. Uh, everyone has that player. Ricardo Montalivo hasn't been played. All right, that's when I say that's when I'm like, oh, okay, all right, all right. Obviously, something is wrong. Either everyone is injured or this guy's nuts. And that hasn't happened. Um, somehow. Somehow we have avoided that uh, in our injury crisis. But I think he deserves more of a chance. Injuries have really kicked us in the backside this season. Uh, more than I've seen before uh, for AC Milan. I think they're going to be all right. And if they don't finish top four and like that's the bar... Then they can part with him after a season and be like, look, we needed top four. We have more confidence in this next guy, like XYZ, this is a... And that would be okay, but after the season. Don't do it in the middle of the season, because most of the time, that's a save the ship, get to the offseason without sinking the club. No, by the way, like you said, to, br to just bring it all back, we're in fourth. We're not in eighth. We're not in 10th, we're not in 12th, we're not even in 6th, we're in 4th. For the most part, he's beating the teams that they're supposed to beat. For the most part. Which is what we asked of him at the beginning of the season, you and me. like. And what we asked of him last when he took over as manager. Beat the teams you're supposed to beat. For the most part, they're getting points against who they should. Yeah, they could have done better in December. They could have done better against Olympiacos, but we knew that was going to be a hard game, especially because it was in Greece, right? We knew that, you know, before the break, there were a ton of injuries. It was like, okay, they just have to get to the Christmas break. They have to get there. And they made it, and now they're still in fourth. I think we're going to be all right. I understand the reactionary nature, but remember, like, we don't have it that bad, and I know that I know that sounds weird, but we don't. We don't have it that bad, all right. Mourinho could be wrecking our club right now. They only have four losses right now, and I think that's something that gets lost in what what we've seen this year. Like, it just it hasn't been pretty, but they're. They're not dropping, like, a draw is obviously better than a loss because you get a point. But they're, I we want to see them winning those games, those seven draws that they have. A lot of those could have and should have been wins. But when you look, like, things are getting better. Last year, they lost 10 games. The year before that, they lost 11. The year before that, they lost 11. The year before that, they lost 12, I believe. They, they lost 12. And then the year before that, in 2013-14, they lost 13. Like, we've been used to a lot of misery lately. And, you know, I don't see them dropping six of their last 18 games. Like, I, I think that they'll drop some in terms of, like, maybe games they should have won. They get draws. But they're not going to lose six, seven games down the stretch. So, already, you're looking at improvement on the last few years with all these injuries with with everything going on behind the scenes so obviously there is something that is trending in the right direction because it's not like the league is getting worse 
the league is getting better. I mean, you some of these teams that are behind them, you have a legitimate race from eighth up for the Champions League. Sampdoria, Atalanta, Lazio, and Roma are all fully capable. And you know what? If Fiorentina get out of whatever they're going, what's going on with them, they're fully capable too. They're they're on twenty seven points, so they're only they're seven points off. I mean, that asking them to leap all those teams is a huge ask, but these teams are going to be cutthroat with each other down the stretch. So, I mean, if they hold on, it's a huge, huge success for them for for Milan if they can hold on to fourth place because. It's going to be tough, but I don't think Roma have what it takes to carry on and overtake them for fourth. It is a one-point difference right now, but Roma are good for a few bad losses. Lazio, I mean, after Immobile, after Milinkovic-Savic, what can you do? Atalanta, you're not going to have Duvon Zapata scoring four goals a match. And Sampdoria, you know, Sampdoria are in it in terms of points, but... And they're good, but I don't think they have the gall to go for it. If they keep scoring a bunch of miraculous goals, then sure. I mean, I would never bet against Qualiarella and Saponara. But, I mean, if they if Milan can get healthy, if Piatek can come in and, you know, get like 10 goals, I think is 10 goals in the last 18 games would be amazing given his current rate. So... Give me that. Give me a few from Cutrone. Give me Suso. You know, get a couple, get some assists. Um, look, Gattuso can inspire this team, and we've seen that. So, I think December was just brutal. It was on the back of, you know, or it came with Europa League elimination. That didn't help. So, and then you, so you come out of that midweek result, and then you have to play more with this downtrodden, injured team. Nothing was going right. But that's you can recover from that. So maybe you know maybe without Iguain and all the pressure of getting him the ball, you know maybe things open up a little bit. Maybe Bakayoko has been playing fantastic, which is amazing for us. Like we haven't, we weren't expecting that. I think we all thought the sky was falling and didn't see that coming. No, but you know if they can get a couple people back, if they can get on a little little roll. I mean, the schedule, it isn't horrible for them. Like, they don't have a lot of stacked, brutal matchups. Um, I mean, after, I mean, the toughest stretch they have is the two games where they go to Juventus, and then a week later, they're hosting Lazio. Um, I mean, even, you know, they play Inter on St. Patrick's Day, and then after they have an eight-day rest before that. And then after that, they have the international break before they go to Sampdoria. And I just, down the stretch too, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better end of the end of the season in terms of those last four games in May. Bologna, at Fiorentina, Frosinone, and at Spall. Like if it comes down to those last few matches, then advantage Milan. And I have a good feeling that it's going to come down to, it's going to come down to May. Like, those teams are going to have a hard time separating themselves, but Milan can hold them all off. I think you're right. And the best part is that Milan got 2019 off to a good start. 
except for the Supercopa. The Supercopa is different, but they got the win. It's the first of what's hopefully many, and I think you're absolutely right. It would be a great achievement for Gattuso and this team to fight through what was a terrible month and get to top four. If they can get to top four, we're we're okay, right? We get the money, get into Champions League, we get more money from that. Like, it's okay. If they make fifth, that is a case where you start looking at like, okay, where some of these draws should have been wins. What what the hell happened, right? Um, but again, you know, it is a better league. It is a closer league. I'm not asking for Milan to get third, right? I didn't. I, that's not going to happen. They're not going to get second, right? Well, also, we are clearly not as talented as Inter and not as talented as Napoli. And uh, Juventus have won the league already. So, which sucks, but, I mean, it's true. So, they are in the running, like you said, competing with Roma, Lazio, those are the main ones, and then Sampdoria. And... And, and Atalanta. Um, and, of course, Atalanta-Sampdoria are the ones where it's an uphill battle for them because they're just going to have to play more teams that are, frankly, better than them. Uh, Roma and Lazio and Milan are the ones where, on any given day, you could get them balling out or you could get them just completely not showing up. Um, Roma had those defensive issues. Lazio have had just hit or miss. And then there's Milan, who are just inconsistent to no end. So it's a real it's a real toss-up. But I do have confidence that Milan can make it happen. They got off on the right foot. We'll see where they go. And I yes, I do think Gattuso is the right man, at least for now. Let him finish the season reevaluate but if he gets us to the champions league he deserves to manage in the champions league for now that's going to do it for us on the devil wears russ narrow the official podcast of sb nations ac milan offside i'm patrick stoll he's tim fontenot at stoll underscore p at tim underscore fontenot at sbn russ narrow thanks a lot for listening we'll talk to you soon thanks again